Write a song, write a song, write a song, write a song. Hello, everyone. Today you might hear some sirens um, or some construction work. I'm actually recording in Boston on the corner of Mass Ave and Boylston at the Berkeley College of Music. You might also hear someone yell and not use the letter R. <laughs> I want to start by saying hello to my new members in the What's in a Song podcast membership and to invite anyone that is looking for an amazing group of talented and supportive songwriters to come join us. If you're looking to share your music, get feedback, critiques, and learn more about craft, go to scarletkeys.com and click on membership. If you'd just like to support this podcast and you're learning and loving what you're hearing, just go buy me a coffee. You can click on buy me a coffee. Regardless, I want you to join my mailing list so you can find out about who's coming on the show, teaching events, and I always send out a songwriting tip. And please follow me on Instagram at Scarlet Keys Official. So I've had some wonderful conversations with hit songwriters, Grammy-winning songwriters, and creatives. But today, I had a great conversation with someone at the very beginning of their career. Today, I have piano player, singer, songwriter, and Berkeley student, Kieran Rhodes, who you may have seen on America's Got Talent with Simon Cowell gushing all over him after he played his song, disengage or you might have stumbled upon his music on spotify today karen and i talk about what randy newman and billy joel taught him about songwriting the two most important chords why his friends have nicknamed him five of five and how the berkeley college of music is like hogwarts hey scarlett hi karen how are you i'm good how are you it's so good to see you it's so good to see you too all right. So I, I guess if this is how we have to see each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. Zoom. Welcome. So excited it's, to be here. It's so good to see you. It's been a little while. I know it's been and, so long. Yeah. And I just, you know, really am excited to have some of my really special students come on the podcast because, um, you know, we've had a lot of people that have been in the industry for years and years. And it's really special to, you know, have the opportunity to talk to somebody. At the very beginning, we don't usually get to do that. You know, we talk to them a few Grammys later or 25 years in. Um, but I really want to have you share, you know, some of the things that you're experiencing now as a young artist and sort of what's been happening with you over the last couple of years. You know, some things that you've learned too. Um, I know that there's a lot that we all learn from just writing and listening to great artists and breaking down the magic of hit songs and trying to figure out how they work. But, you know, you've been a Berkeley student now for a couple of years. I had you in my songwriting one class. And so <laughs> at some point I do want to talk to you about, you know, what you've learned and, and what you feel like you apply as a songwriter. Um, but let's hear a little bit about your history um, as you know, I know you were into baseball as a kid, and then at some point you met the piano, and let's take it from there. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I was, I, I was born in like upstate New York, uh, born and raised in a town called Burton Hills, um, kind of like outside of Albany, and uh, baseball was was kind of everything to me. It was all I did. Uh, my dad was a baseball player, so as soon as I was kind of born, it was just baseball, 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 and it was go, go, go. I played year round 
um, you know, once I got to middle school, high school, you know, if you're serious about baseball and you hit like middle school, you want to get on like a good travel team. And I, you know, I, I uh, tried out for a lot of teams and I got on a really great one. And we, we kind of traveled all over the place every summer, uh, playing tournaments all over, just like playing for college scouts. Cause that's what you, if you, you know, if you want to go division one, then you gotta, you gotta do that all the time. And that was my entire life. I never had a summer. I was just, I'd get out of school and then I'd get in the car and it would be hotel room to hotel room playing, you know, tournaments and tournaments. And, uh, by like freshman, sophomore year of high school, everybody on my baseball team was committed to play division one baseball, except for me. And this was because, you know, around the time of freshman year, I, you know, music poked its head into my life. And when music poked its head, you know, I started slacking a little bit in baseball and I didn't apply, you know, I didn't apply myself as much and I kind of, you know, I lost a little bit and, but it was only because I was gaining so much in, in the music world. Um, I mean, it's seriously such a random thing, but one day I, you know, sat down at the piano in my house. I had this, this like sudden urge to play and I started watching YouTube videos and uh, I would just like try and figure out what to do. And I would play these like song intros. Like the first thing I ever played was like how to save a life. And uh, I would just kind of play this over and over and over again. And my mom would get mad because I would just play the same, same intro every single day for like months. But, you know, I was just trying to like understand what I was doing. And, you know, after I kind of, you know, did that, I, I, I discovered who Billy Joel was. And that's kind of what took me and like through me because I was just like, wow, I need to do that. Like I, everything that he does is what I want to do. And I would, you know, watch videos of him and try and mimic everything that he did and learn how to play like him. And, you know, years went by freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. And, you know, I was just trying to play and get better. Um, I, I started uh, writing songs senior year of high school which was only in like 2020, which is weird to think about. Um, but it was only like three. I've only been writing for about three and a half years. Um, but uh, I, I, I opened my mouth. I didn't know I could sing, but I wanted to try. And I never had sung before. But uh, I opened my mouth and somehow it, I didn't sound You like had crap. never sung before. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, have I go. We have to I, end this. This has been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It, it honestly, whenever I talk about it, it gives me chills because yeah. I have no idea how my life has gotten to this point in such a short amount of time. I'm incredibly grateful. Um, but you know, I started, I started singing and playing and, you know, I wrote my first song cause why not senior year? I, <laughs> I like released it, uh, in my town really, really loved it. And I didn't expect it to get that response. You know, I was just kind of doing it. And uh, people really liked it. And I was like, all right, I'll try again. I'll do another one. And I just kept kept on releasing. And somewhere in that, you know, year period of time, I realized that this is what I meant to do for the rest of my life. And it was so random because of my previous baseball background. But it was also, I was also so sure that this is why I'm on this planet. Like I, there's, there was like the craziest thing, you know, this is why I'm here. This is what I do what I meant to do, what I meant to be. And I, I applied for only one school, Berkeley. It was a really stupid decision because, you know, a lot of people apply for five, 10, 20 schools. I applied for one. It was Berkeley. I didn't think that I wasn't going to get in. I was like, this is happening. 
there is no other option in my life. This is what I'm meant to do. It's going to happen. Thank God it happened. I got in and, you know, I've been here for five semesters and, you know, a lot has happened since then, but I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, uh, the beginning, the very beginning of my music life. <laughs> and I do want to point out that, um, Karen is wearing a Red Sox baseball hat <laughs> and a Boston Red Sox sweatshirt, which is, it. which is complicated because my whole family likes the Yankees. Oh, so I, okay. So, cause I'm from New York. So like I grew up a Yankee fan and when I went to college in Boston, my family was like, all right, well you, you can't be a Red Sox fan, but you kind of got to disguise yourself or they're going to hate you. So I think I'm, I think right now I'm kind of in, in disguise because I, sometimes I pretend to be a Red Sox fan here, but at heart, I'm always a Yankee fan. <laughs> it's okay. It's still baseball. It's still baseball. Yeah, so, of course. um, you know, just to share kind of my reaction to you as a student, you know, I've been teaching for oh, almost 20 years and that's a lot of students. That's a lot of students, right? Every semester I have over a hundred students. That's a lot. And mm -hmm. I remember, you know, so in my songwriting one class, you guys usually get an assignment that would require just a little exercise. It's not writing full songs except for two times during the semester. So we're just teaching the tools, you know, one week it might be, you know, write a verse and a chorus using melodic and rhythmic contrast, you know, so that that verse sounds really different from the chorus. Cause oftentimes that's a big problem. There's none of contrast in a song. So that would be an example. And I try to be impartial with my responses to my students. You know, I, I try to just stick with the facts. Okay. We did this. Great. Great job on that. But every week when you would sit down at the piano, I, and I wouldn't say it, but I would think, Oh my God, Randy Newman's in my class. Like every time <laughs> you would play an assignment, it was a song to you. You didn't just go, ah, I'll just get the grade. You really brought in something special. And I remember being at a party going, you guys, you have to hear the student of mine. <laughs> I don't think I ever told you that, but you'd written oh, something you so special. And, um, I actually want to ask your permission because I still have a section of a song that you wrote for, and I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because it's something that you went on to finish and record and release. And it, is it called Saturday? Is that what you ended up calling? This How song? about, yeah, I, it's called How About Saturday. How About Saturday. So when you, so the assignment was that you needed to write at least a verse section in the Mixolydian mode. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to just, for the sake of it, take a moment to explain what the Mixolydian mode is for our listeners. So the simple version of Mixolydian is that it is a half step difference than the major scale. So let's say that you're in the key of G major. You've got that leading tone. In Mixolydian, you're going to lower that leading tone by half of a step. So in G major, instead of playing the F sharp, which is a seventh note, I'm going to play the F natural. That flat seven is now the signature note of Mixolydian. It is a half step from G major 
it brings a certain flavor to your writing to utilize that mode where you're not using a leading tone. Now, instead of that seventh degree being half step from the tonic, it's a whole step. So you can play a song like Royals by Lord, where the first entire verse is really just a groove underneath on the same chord and the melody is bringing out the mixolydian mode you can really hear that flat seven being spotlighted i've never seen a diamond in the flesh i cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies and i'm not proud of my address in the torn up town no postcode Another way to reinforce mixolydian is to add the chords, the chords in that mode that contain the signature note. So maybe G. Maybe your next chord is going to be F natural. And then maybe the four chord. You'll hear that progression in Seven Bridges Road by the Eagles. There are stars in the southern sky. You'll also hear that chord progression in the chorus of Angel from Montgomery. Another chord progression you can use that's very common in Mixolydian would be the one chord to the five minor chord to the four chord. So you can try both of those. You can do one flat seven, four, or you can do one five minor, four. The five minor contains that natural F note in it as opposed to the raised F sharp. The five minor contains that natural F as opposed to the F sharp. So let's listen to one five four in the key of G major. But if it were Mixolydian, we're just going to lower that F-sharp half step. So we have a five minor chord. You'll hear this chord progression in the Brandy Carlisle song, The Joke. Aren't you, boy, with your quiet voice and impeccable style? Don't ever let them steal your joy and your gentle ways to keep them from running wild. You'll also hear that chord progression one, five minor to four in a song by the artist Her, titled Hard Place. Wanna believe what you say, but I hate you on most days. You've been testing my faith. My patience, yeah. 
And you know that I be headstrong But you know that you be dead wrong Telling me to relax when I'm reacting But I, I'd rather fight And lose sleep at night At least you're on So here's your assignment and, you know, you could have just gotten through it for the grade, but you're you. So, <laughs> so this is what you bring into my class. What if I told you there's only one week left to hold you, then I'm gone. So how about I show you all the things I could have shown you while there's time to beautiful, beautiful job. So clearly, you know, you met the requirements of the assignment. So you got an A, but you also really got my attention. And I thought this is somebody who really has something outstanding. And, and that's a lot to say um, in those rooms, because there was a lot of talented people in those rooms. And, but later on, after a few months, you went on to finish the song, you recorded it. And then you had a friend from Berkeley orchestrate the song. Yeah. And then you released it. And then I released it. Yep. And <laughs> I would love to take a moment now to play the full version of your song. I would love that. All right. So here is How About Saturday. What if I told you there's only one week left to hold you and then I'm gone. So how about I show you all the things I could have shown you. Well, there's time to But nevertheless The doctors say in one week is generous And I know you'll be a mess But take a deep breath You can hold on to this How about Saturday? All by balloons we can watch them float away And yell at the moonlight for keeping us awake I wish that I could stay one more Saturday So how about Saturday? It came out of nowhere In the blink of an eye I was midair It's hard to explain But love who you got Don't complain Cause one day they'll fly Far away But nevertheless The doc's saying one week At best And I know you'll Be a mess But take a deep breath You can hold on To Saturday, all by balloons, we can watch them float away and yell at the moonlight for keeping us awake. I wish that I could stay one more Saturday. So, how about Saturday? 
been the response to to that song in particular that that was something that really like you know it's the one thing to write a bit of a song it's another to see it through and to evolve the lyric and to to really do the song justice it's hard to finish a song like that yeah uh that song it took me it took me some time to to do that right um a song like that is very, very, it's very heavy. I mean, that song is. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what inspired the content? Yeah. um, Well, to be completely honest with you, I was inspired by uh, a situation in, in my life. Um, You know, I, I haven't, I haven't lost anybody close to me. um, Not yet, at least. Um, But my, 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 uh, my, my dad's girlfriend's kids lost their father. Um, it was honestly, it was around the time that I ended up releasing the song. Um, but, you know, I was watching this kind of situation of, you know, their father getting, getting sick and, um, you know, watching, watching young, a young child, young kids, try and understand that and digest it and, you know, get up and go to school every day. Um, and I was seeing that firsthand and, you know, it wasn't necessarily me that was having to understand that, but I was kind of trying to, to see it through their eyes. And I was just like, I was thinking, I mean, how do you, how do you tell a, how do you tell your kid? How do you tell somebody so young, something so heavy, 
Um, do you dress it up? Do you like kind of add it, like throw in some metaphors? Like, what do you, I mean, what do you do in order for them to understand it? Or do you just tell them the truth and then wait for them to grow up and be like, Oh, I get it. Um, and you know, that song, it was inspired by the song was inspired by, you know, that idea. And it, it's called how about Saturday? Because, you know, we're always, you know, wishing for, you know, one more day, you know, one more day with that person, um, you know, that we love. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a really heavy one. And that song will always be very special, special to me. Um, but I, I, fe- I feel like I needed to say it and I needed yeah. to get it out. You know, I love your, your thought process about it. Like, how would we tell the kids how would we do that? And that's the critical thinking part of songwriting. Like, how would, how will I go about this and what will the language be in the song? And, um, I'm, I'm really impressed that as a young kid, you heard Billy Joel and fell in love and it makes sense. Cause I think most piano players fall in love with Billy Joel and they fall in love with Elton John and Randy Newman, right? Weren't you? Yeah. And yes. Randy so and you, James yeah. Taylor too. <laughs> so you met the dudes and, yeah. um, you know, what are some things that, that you learned from, you know, spending time on those composers songs and kind of getting into what they do Oh my goodness! from them? Everything. I mean, I, I am so, and the older I get the, I mean, I'm only 21, but every year that goes by, I understand a little bit more of the last three, four years, five years of my life, which is really funny. Um, but you know, I'm getting to a point now where I'm looking back on the past five years, six years, which is kind of how long I've been playing piano. Um, and I realize how much of what I know now is because of me listening to that music. Um, you know, you take a song like New York State of Mind, right? And you you understand, you know, what it's like to write a real piano song, right? And then you take a song like when she loved me by randy newman which is you know this beautiful toy story ballad um and you understand so much about this song i like to call it songwriting harmony because mm-hmm. it's not like crazy out there jazz harmony that's you know you'll t- that we all talk about at berkeley here that i get sick of <laughs> what makes randy newman special to you what what is he doing harmonically that speaks to you as a writer yeah well he does a lot of he does a lot of like linear chord movements. Um, it's kind of, that sounds really nerdy to say it like that, but you know, I, I kind of tried to mimic that when I wrote disengage, it's like this very linear movement. Um, um, what does that mean to you? And how did you quote borrow that for that song? Well, he kind of like, he likes to do this thing where he, he walks up, he literally just walks up, you know, like walks up the scale. I mean, he go like, in disengage, I go F G, like the bass line is F G A, you know, B flat. And then then he goes like back down in like an order. And it's like he just he he moves, he moves everything very fluently together. He's not, he doesn't do a lot of like jumping around. And it kind of creates this 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 emotional pull. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I was kind of channeling for for disengage. Um so linear progressions, I think of I think of Randy Newman's When She Loved Me from Toy Story like the most beautiful song. Like this is how the intro goes. Right. And if you listen to the left hand, it kind of just walks down. Right down the major scale. 
and the right hand goes with it. Right? It just kind of creates like this, this really easy emotional pull. And I was really inspired by that when I wrote Disengage. So Disengage kind of just walks up the major scale, right? Like just like that goes. Right? So like soon she'll be gone. She'll pack up shop and run along. That's really it, it's just this. Right? And then it goes, and you can't stop it. And that's like the the one to the to the to the, like the two major chord. And that's a very Randy Newman thing. But the one, the one chord that I kind of learned from him that is, I, it's my favorite songwriting chord and it's in all of my songs. It's, <laughs> it's, it's called like the five of five. That's what music calls it. But like, if you're in the key of C, it's just like playing a D major chord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that chord is, uh, that chord is like the reason why I write songs because you, I mean, you can pull so much emotion out of a lyrical phrase by just going to that place. And that's how I learned how to, how to write songs for myself. I would listen to a Randy Newman song and I would, I would hear a moment and I, all of a sudden I'd get the chills. Like there'd be a moment and I'd get the chills and I'd be like, Oh my God, what the heck? Yeah. What did he do right there? That made me feel that way. And then I'd go back and listen. I'd be like, okay, right there. That is the that is the exact second where I got the chills. What did he do to make me feel that? And I'd go back and I'd try and figure it out. And I was like, okay, he used he used this chord right here. That is what made me feel that way. So then I would take that chord and I put it in my <laughs> tool belt, right? So then when I was writing a song and I needed I needed an audience to feel that that feeling that I felt in that moment, I'd go revisit that and I'd pull that chord into my song. When you play the two major chord, because usually diatonically in a major key, it's a two minor chord. But when you raise that third up half a step and it's now a major two chord, how does it feel to you? And what do you have a chord that you usually approach it from? Oh, yes. Oh, that's a good question. So C major to D major sounds like this in its simplest form. but it's a lot easier to kind of understand in the context of a song if I kind of played a melody over it. So if I played this melody over it, you could kind of understand it a little better. Right? And I could finish it. And I could go again. One. Two major. You could feel that, right? Yeah, but I mean that's that's approaching the two major chord from from C. But you could also approach it from A minor, which is the six minor in the key of C. So if I went six minor to two major, which is A minor to D major, it would sound like this. So this is C. And I went. Right? And if you approach it the right way, you can create this really really beautiful release in a, in a story so like if i if i built up to it i mean this is just thinking about it without lyrics but just feeling this emotion would be important 
before you started to write this moment, right? So like if I built up to it, it goes like this. Right? So now like we have this like crazy release and we could support that in so many different ways lyrically and emphasize that moment, you know? It's just so, it's so simple, but it, it takes you away from where you'd expect. And um, it, from a storytelling perspective, that's what I feel like helps songs come to life is moving that, you know, moving the harmony with the story. And that, that's going, what Randy Newman taught me. You yeah. know, when you talk about going back to the um, ballad that you fell in love with, with Billy Joel, New York State of Mind, that song also has another secondary dominant chord, uh, which is the three major, right? Yeah. And for songwriters, you know, we could, for tricks in our bag, we could make a whole career out of just the two major chord and the three major chord. They're just so valuable. So valuable. Yeah. When I, when I talk to new songwriters, sometimes um, I'll say, Hey, do you know what the five of five chord is? And there's some people are like, no. And I'm like, you need to learn how to use that chord from every angle because that chord will save your life. I mean, that, that chord is, it's, 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 I can't explain how important that is. It's really funny. Um, but mm-hmm. also my friends make fun of me here for how much I use that chord. They call me five of five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's such a valuable <laughs> emotional moment. Yeah. It's such a val- valuable emotional moment. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's really cool. Yeah. It's great. So this is wonderful. So practice, um, using the two major chord or the three major chord from every angle and just from every angle mean from any chord that you're on, try going there and see how it works. Yeah. Cause you could use like the five of five chord. Like if you're in the key of C, you could go from C to D major and that gives you an interesting feeling, but you could also go from A minor to D major, and that gives you a whole different kind of moment. Mm-hmm. And as you could tell, there's like this, this, there's this emotional difference, but they they both could 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 mean different things, you know. I love that you pay attention to what are my lyrics and what chord is gonna really do the best job at explaining how this should feel. Yeah, like another thing that I learned was like it's called the deceptive cadence. And I'm getting really musical, nerdy, but um, I, I don't know how I can't if I'm talking to you, Scarlett, because, you know, we, <laughs> we talk about this in our class. Um, but something that I learned from Randy Newman was the deceptive cadence. You know, he'd do a song and it ends, you know, you, you would expect the phrase to end a certain way and go back home, we call it. Um, but instead of going home, you know, he goes somewhere else and it kind of takes us to this different place for like this brief moment. Yeah, um, what's an example of one of his songs that offers a deceptive cadence? I mean, there's a song he does called Losing You and every every kind of hook, every little hook, he goes back to this usual place, this place of home. He does the chorus a couple of times, but the last time he does the chorus or the second to last time he does the chorus, I believe he, he ends it a different way and it kind of opens it up to this whole different space that we haven't seen before. And not only does it keep the song interesting, but from a lyrical perspective, it lets you tell this story in a different way. It almost gives you like, Oh, like I haven't heard, like, where's this story going? And I mean, it goes back to, 
and from a songwriting overall perspective, when I'm writing, I'll always try and map out the piano part, the chord kind of thing first. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll write lyrics from then because I feel like the chords and the melodies that I'm writing will inform me, you know, what, whatever I'm going to say right now needs to, needs to work in that world. So when I'm writing a piano thing, you know, I'll, I'll start mumbling little, little words. And if I have an idea, I'll go with it. Um, but for the most part, the piano part and the harmony informs me what I'm going to try and say, what I'm going to try and talk about. Mm. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I, a lot of people write songs different ways. I mean, Elton John, Bernie Taupin, I have no idea how he did what he did. I mean, Bernie Taupin would write the entire lyrics out and Elton would take that entire lyric and write the music to it. I don't know how the heck he did that. That's something that I don't think I, I mean, I, maybe I could do it if I really, really tried. Um, but that's something that blows my mind, especially with how many songs Elton has, you know, ha- had, yeah. um, but, you know, when I, I watched an interview of Randy Newman uh, not long ago, and he was talking about his songwriting process. And it was actually really funny because my songwriting process is just like his. And I didn't even try. <laughs> I didn't even like, it was just naturally how it happened. He does the same thing. Like, I mean, I, which is really funny because I didn't like, I didn't, he didn't tell me to do that, you know, but I, it's kind of funny how kind of things work out. You know, I'm influenced by him. So. I'm drawn to write like him, you know? There's so many chords outside the key in a lot of his songs, um, which is what you're drawn to. Talking about chords, like, it's not like that scary of a thing to be talking about chords outside of a key signature. I know that it could be a little daunting at times to like hear that or talk about it. But in my mind, there's like just a handful of tricks that I have. And these are tricks that take me out of a normal place and I use them, you know, as much as I can and I cycle through them. And, you know, it's good to have a little tool belt as a songwriter of harmonic things that you can always go to, to, to keep things interesting Um, because it, you know, it could really benefit the story that you're trying to tell. Let's go back for just a second to your voice and, and, you know, you fell in love with the piano and obviously you then wanted to sing. How have you cultivated your sound or have you, you know, have you been taking lessons or what are you doing to, to learn uh, for, to sing? For my voice? Well, so my mom, my mom is a singer. Um, so that's where I got my voice from, but I never used it until I was in like late high school. Um, I, I was surrounded by music my whole life, but I didn't ever let it in. So like I'd come home from baseball practice and my mom would be having like music rehearsals, but it meant absolutely nothing to me. And I didn't care at all, but I was surrounded by music a lot, but I never, ever let it in or cared to, you know, until high school. Um, but when I first started singing, um, first of all, my mom was really excited. Um, <laughs> second of all, she was... a she could mentor me a little bit. She could help me. So, I mean, she, she never gave me lessons. I never had vocal lessons and I never had piano lessons either. My first piano lesson was at Berkeley. Um, but she would just like chime in from the other room. Like I'd be singing at the piano. She'd be making dinner and I'd hear her just like scream, like, ah, you got to support better. Or like, you have to do (laughs) this. That was bad. 
uh, you're straining, you know, just things like this. I hear this. I mean, I still hear this today when I'm playing at home. Um, but it's just and like, were you, little... and were you like, Oh, thanks mom. Or were you like, I've got it. Was there any like rebellious teenager <laughs> at, at first, at first there definitely was. Um, it took me a little while to kind of get, to get used to like feedback. I mean, that's also another thing that's hard as a musician is to hear, hear feedback and understand it and accept it and not be offended. Um, and, you know, take everything. Um, but I, you know, she, she kind of has given me like little notes, um, and I actually took my first like official voice lesson uh, last semester uh, with a Berkeley professor because I just wanted to try. I just want to check in and be like, OK, am I doing this right? Like, is everything good? Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right things? Because I mean, I had just kind of done it myself. Um, so I kind of just want to check in and be like, OK, am I doing it? And, you know, I, I luckily I'm doing everything close to right. But there's a lot of improvements that I need to be making. Um, but it was interesting to have that you know, lesson perspective on singing. Cause I never really had that. It was kind of just like sit down at the piano and make a noise, <laughs> you know, yeah. without worrying about anything else. All right. Let's talk about America's Got Talent because that was a pretty, pretty big moment for you. Yes. America's Got Talent. So somebody, how did that come to be? And, and what was that like for you? Um, yeah, it was a, it was an incredible experience that I'm so grateful for. I, it was in 2022 in the winter time, uh, my, my, my winter, like winterish at Berkeley. Um, honestly, I had been kind of working on doing things out of my comfort zone and just kind of like not necessarily being prepared for something, but jumping into it. Uh, like situations, like if I had if somebody asked me to like perform or something, I'd be like, Oh my God, no, I haven't like practiced. I'm not ready for this. Da, da, da. But I've been, I had been working on like just doing something like, okay, whatever, let's do it. You know? Um, so around that time I got a phone call and it was like, kind of like the, the career center was having like this, I don't know, like there was like a, a couple panelists were coming in to just hear Berkeley talent. I had nothing. I had no idea who the people were. But they were like, hey, we want you to come down, just like play a play a song for like six, like 60 seconds of a song. Uh, but they're about to leave. So like run. We have extra slots. So we thought we'd ask you. And I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I sprinted there. Um, and, you know, like four panelists, I played like a. I it was actually around the time that I had written Disengage, which is the song that I ended up playing on America's Got Talent. Um, but. I, I, I like had just finished that song. I played 90 seconds of it to four people that were sitting in fancy chairs and I had no idea who they were, but I didn't really care about that. I was just kind of doing it for the experience of, okay, I wasn't ready for this an hour ago, but I'm doing it. Right. Um, and I did it. They gave me feedback and then I left and I still didn't know who they were. It was just like, whatever, just an experience. Four people heard me, whatever. Got a call two weeks later after I had thought that you know, the opportunity was just something that didn't amount to anything. Um, I got a call two weeks later to come down to the career center at Berkeley. I walked in and one of the panelists was there on zoom that I had played for two weeks ago. And, uh, she was just like, Hey, you know, you, you blew me away. Your 90 seconds of that song blew me away. And, you know, I, I needed to pitch you to my executives and we want to pull you on the show. Um, you're, you're going to be on America's Got Talent. And I was like, so so like when i found that out i was like it was like kind of like that fight or flight moment i just wanted to run away 
for some reason, I don't know why I felt that way, but there was like a, I was so excited and so scared. And before that moment, what's the most amount of people you've ever sung in front of up to that point? Oh, I mean, like, (laughs) I don't even know, maybe like a couple hundred, if like max, I don't, yeah. Yeah. But like, that's like max. I, I think I played like some like silly little festival in my hometown, but like, I don't know. And it how wasn't, many I had, people were in the audience of America's Got Talent? Like 3,000 plus four celebrity judges that are going to tell you if they hate you right after you're done. And then the world <laughs> and then the world in their living room. And then the, and then the world in their living rooms, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I was I was in that moment. I was I was so excited, so scared um, for some reason. But, you know, it was it was a really, really cool thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I ended up flying. They flew me out in April. Um, I did my audition in, in, in April. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. I met so many really cool people, um, and made a lot of friends. Um, I had that experience, that moment happened. And then after you're, after that, you're, you have like this breath of fresh air. You're like, okay, it's done. But then the next battle that you have is hoping that they air you because I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I just played an original song on America's Got Talent. Simon liked me. I got four yeses. This is so great. But the world might never know that this happened. <laughs> and that was a scary thought. I was like, okay, all of this happened. And it took so much work and energy. And I just want the world to see that, you know, because if, but if they don't air it, then nobody will know that it happened except people that I tell in person. Right. Yeah. Um, so then it was like this next battle is when they were airing the episodes in the summer, you know, they, they gave me, they like told me, they were like, Hey, we're, we're airing through, we're airing these episodes, May through August. If you're going to be on one of them, we're going to email you the week before, but if you're not going to be on any, we're not going to let you know. So I was there. So like I'm sitting at home this whole summer, right? Just like anxiously sitting at my computer, hoping and praying that I'm going to get an email that they're going to air my audition. And all I had was, you know, thinking, okay, I, I think I was entertaining enough. Like, I think I did a good, like television wise. Like, I feel like this bit could really work on TV. Cause I mean, that's what you think about. It's like, even if you're, even if you're great and you're talented, if it doesn't work on television, it doesn't work on television and they won't air you. And there are just, there are hundreds and hundreds of people that got yeses and did not get aired. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that thought terrified me, you know, but <laughs> thank God sometime in June, I got an email they were like, you're going to be on next week's episode. And I aired and, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a dream. It felt, it didn't feel real. It still doesn't feel real when I talk about it. Um, but well, that you song, very, you yeah. seemed very composed, no pun intended. Um, and, uh, you know, didn't, you seemed very focused and kind of in the zone and, and did you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was very scared that I was going to walk out on that stage and snap into professional. Okay. This is a big opportunity mode. Um, I was worried I wasn't going to be myself. And my producer had told me, you know, like Kieran, you got to go out there and be you like, be that silly kid who swings his, his like toy lightsaber in his bedroom and like likes movies. And like, you need to be that person for the world because that's, you know, that's who you are. And I was scared that I was going to step into this moment and be like, you know, I'll like straight back and be like, okay, like 
I'm here to do, to do this, like not really be all like closed off, not fun, not silly, not myself. So I was scared that I was going to snap into that mode when I walked out on stage. But as soon as I stepped out on stage, I and you can see it if you watch the video, as soon as I crossed that curtain, I could not help but have the biggest smile on my face. And it was something that I couldn't, it was just, it was above me. I didn't know. I was scared that I wasn't going to be myself, but as soon as I walked out there, I couldn't help but smile. And as soon as that happened, I was like, this is fine. And as soon as I saw the 3000 people, I was like, this is who I am. This is what I, what I do. And this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if the 3000 people weren't there, it probably would have been a little more nerve wracking. Um, the 3000 people made it feel like a performance, made it feel like I was on tour, right. Playing a show. And that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. So Mm -hmm. it it almost made it more of like, Oh, this is my job. The only thing that, you know, scares people about the audition is you got four, you got four celebrity judges that might tell you that you suck afterwards. Like that's, that's the thing that's scary is you don't want Simon to, to be (laughs) like, you suck. Right. Um, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a really, really cool thing. And, you know, my producer, her name is Courtney. Um, she is, she is an angel. I am, you know, her, I can't believe she, like how she kind of like entered my life. She believed in me. She pulled for me. She pulled me on the show. She was with me every second of that experience. I, she sat next to me like a half hour before I walked out on that stage to do that and kind of just put her arm around me. And it's, it's a moment that not many people obviously know about, but I, uh, she sat next to me before I walked out on stage, um, put her arm around me. And she was just like, Hey, if they like you, if they like you, they like, they like you, if they don't like you screw them. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just made me feel a lot better. And she was there for me. And I, I went on stage, I did it. And I came back, walked off stage after I got the yeses. And she was the first person I hugged. And I like got all emotional hugging her because she was the reason for that whole experience, but yeah. it was very, very, very special at this, this stage in my career at the beginning, you know, all that I hope and strive for is, is to surround myself with people that believe in me. And I think it's really important as a young artist to do that. Um, I don't know if any young artists are listening, but I think it's, it's so important to have people that believe in you around you. Like you want to have people that believe in what you're doing just as much as you do. And, and they, they want to help you. And you know, that that's the environment that you you need to create. Cause that's kind of where the special, that's where the magic comes from is that, that those special relationships, you know? Yeah. Are you glad that you went to Berkeley? Yeah. Because I mean, if I didn't go to, I'm a big person of like, I, I feel like everything that happens in my life is, is, is supposed to be happening. And, um, you know, Berkeley needed to happen for many reasons. You know, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't have met you, Scarlett. I mean, there, there are so many uh, wonderful things, wonderful relationships that I've made from being here. And like I, like, like I said, uh, I only applied for Berkeley because I was, I was so sure that this was the only place for me, you know, and here I am five semesters later, but uh, you know, (laughs) well, it's all in front of you. It's going to be really wonderful to see where you go and, and how your music evolves and where you end up. And I hope that, that you pay attention to what you truly love and hold on to that because that's what's brought you to this moment. Yeah. 
it can be really tempting to want something so badly that we're willing to change ourselves or chase a trend. And I just love that you've fallen in love with sort of these classic writers and have been writing from your heart. And it's really, it's really been effective. It's really been, um, it's really gotten people's attention. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, Scarlett. I appreciate that. Briefly, you were in songwriting classes and we had talked about kind of you know, should you stay in songwriting or maybe kind of branch out? And you you decided to branch out um, from your major and to study some things that you didn't know enough about. And what are some of those things that you're studying right now? Yeah, well, I'm I'm studying. I'm I I took like this intensive intro to film scoring class, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. I think um, I stepped in there. I love movies, by the way. Backstory: I my whole life. Loved movies, grew up watching movies, Disney, just like this rich storytelling. And that's part of the reason why I'm a songwriter is just because I love these stories. I'm, you know, they're just, they mean everything to me. Um, and I walked into this film scoring class because I, I love film music and I just wanted to learn about it. And I walked in, sat down, my professor, Sheldon Mirowitz, who's awesome. He, st- he walked up to the board and he wrote, he wrote on the board the word story. And this was the first thing that he did. He wrote on the words, he wrote on the board story. And as soon as he did that, I was like, okay, I'm in the right place because that's all I talk about. That's all that's, that means everything to me, that word. Um, and no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a film composer. Um, but this class and these, these, these lessons about film music have, have taught me a lot about, telling a story through lyrics, through melodies, through all of that stuff. Um, so learning that, that has been really beneficial to me as a songwriter. Um, and it's been a really, really cool ride. And I'm excited to, you know, learn more about that stuff. I am also learning how to, how to write for strings right now, because obviously Randy Newman did a lot of that. Um, and he was incredible at it, like absolutely incredible at it. Um, so I, I wanted to learn how to, how to kind of do that too. So I'm taking classes in, in that area. Um, some production things here and there. Um, but you know, Berkeley's a, I like, when I talk about Berkeley, I like to compare it to Hogwarts <laughs> because yeah. there's so much magic here and there's so much to do and so much to see and so many opportunities that, that are just around the corner. You just need to look for them. You just need to kind of take that extra step and search for them and talk to people and meet people. Um, a lot of people go here and just kind of do the college thing. Um, but you know, in my opinion, if you want the full Berkeley experience, you gotta be, you got, you gotta be out there meeting people, talking to professors, do like doing all this because there's so much magic there. It's just kind of waiting for you, you know? Um, but I mean, Berkeley, I just, uh, BPMI, they have a, they have a, uh, kind of like this class called BPMI and every year they send, a handful of artists to uh, music festivals over the summer. Um, and they choose from all the Berkeley artists. And I, I got, I got accepted in, uh, into the program this, this year. And I, I just found out that I'm playing um, sound on sound music festival in September, September 30th and October 1st. Um, and where is that going to be? It's in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, it's exciting. John Mayer is headlining with the red hot chili peppers and Alanis Morissette and a lot of uh, Hozier, a lot of other big, big artists that I love and have influenced me are playing. So it's, 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 
it gives me chills to look at the poster and see my name (laughs) next to all of their names. Um, You know, but once again, the way that my life has been over the past only six years, you know, I'm just, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a crazy, I've been on a crazy ride and I'm so grateful and I'm, I'm excited to see what, what happens in the future, you know? Well, this was really fun to talk with you and hopefully anybody listening is going to try out those those two chords, those life-changing chords, the two <laughs> major <laughs> and the three major, and maybe some linear chord progressions. Anything else that you've that you've learned in the last couple of years about songwriting? I think as a songwriter, it's hard to it's hard to just to do it. It's hard to be a songwriter. When you're putting your almost when you when you're expecting a result, like writing songs is such a creative thing. And when you're trying to put that on a clock, you're trying to make that a day-to-day thing. It's really, really hard Um, because, you know, you wake up and sometimes you're not inspired and sometimes you don't write anything good. And as a writer and as an artist, you go through these periods of time where you're just like, I mean, I do it all the time. I'm like, I'm in a slump right now. I don't think I, I don't think I've written anything good in a month. Right. So, but then like next month you'll have a moment where you're like, okay, this is the best thing I've ever written hands down. Um, but that's just kind of how it goes. And you have to kind of move with that. Um, but it is a learning process every single day. I'm asking myself, what can I do better? Like, what are things that I could do to help, you know, make this, this work, you know, to help. So if you were not feeling inspired and you had to feel inspired today, what would you do? What inspires you? What can you do to get some inspiration? Um, that's a good question. I, I would probably leave. I I have problem writing in my room. Sometimes I do when it's a really like big moment that really hits me. But if I'm trying to be to be creative and I'm not creative, I have to leave. So I'll usually go to like a practice room just to be in a different space at a different piano um, and try and get that going. I I really like to 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 watch like movies or things like that that's something that usually inspires me to to write something or or to step back into music when i'm not really feeling the music thing i'll usually go to another piece of art which tends to be you know movies and other storytelling um and that usually inspires my music world too um but you know i'm always jotting down i'm always jotting down things in my little notes app like if I have like a lyrical idea or something like that, I mean, the number of times that I've been in conversations with people and they've said something interesting and I've just like written it down. Like I like, I'm writing this song about, I had this really, and also this is the other thing I'll have, I'll have an idea. I'll have a really good idea. And then the first thing I do before I put it in my notes app is I'll look it up on the internet and see if somebody else has done it already. Mm. (laughs) And usually that's like a, it's like a 50, 50 shot. And sometimes Sometimes it's been done. And I'm like, dang it, dang it. Somebody beat me to it. Um, but other times, you know, like I, I'll have it and I'll keep it. Like I'm doing that. I had this idea to write a song about um, like airline food. You know how like that bit, that joke bit, it's like, hey, what's the deal with airline food? <laughs> like I'm trying to write a song right now with that as like the, as kind of the hook and like almost like approach it from this perspective of like, you know, in a relationship, right? Like, you know, just like airline food, right? You fill me up, but you let me down. You know, you give me a terrible taste in my mouth. 
you know, you're a lot like airline food, um, <laughs> like something like that. Right. And mm. I was like, I had that idea like last week and I was like, okay, this is an idea that I, that I really, really like, but the past month before then I I didn't really run into anything that I really liked. So you kind of just have to, you kind of have to wait. You got to be patient. Yeah. You have to be patient. You have to try when you, when you can't, but you know, when you hit a wall, sometimes you need to learn how to rest and, you know, be inspired by something else and, you know, give your creativity some time, yeah. you know? So you've got the shows this summer. Is there anything else that you want to share as far as any new music that's going to be released or any shows? Um, I am, you have a website. How can people Instagram? Yeah. yeah well, follow, follow me on Instagram. Um, it's Kieran Rhodes music. Um, yeah, let's be friends. You could see all the silly stuff that I'm up to all the time. I'll put that, I'll um, put it in the show notes so they can find you. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, my Instagram is Kieran Rhodes music. Uh, you could follow me, stay up to date with my, my things. I'm, I'm planning to release a song this summer. Um, I have the festival in, in September, late September sound on sound. So if, if anyone is near Connecticut Bridgeport, you should come. Um, it's going to be super, super fun. Um, but I mean, other than that, I'm just kind of finishing up this semester and, you know, I'm looking forward to the next, to the next months, you know? Yeah. It was really good to see you. Now we have to have coffee. We have to finally have our coffee in person. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. It was so great. Thank you for having me, Scarlett. Absolutely. This was really, really fun. And I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to end the show today with a full version of Kieran's song that he performed on America's Got Talent, Disengage. But before I do that, I want to thank Peter Sykes for mixing this episode and Otter Gross for co-writing, performing, producing, and singing the theme song for the show. And mostly, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. So as always, I'm going to say go write a song, but maybe you could think about using some linear chord progressions. Just unleash your inner Randy Newman and try using the two major chord and the three major chord in a way that you haven't tried it before. All right, here is Disengage by Kieran Rhodes. Someone's gotta help me 
someone's gotta help me disengage. Soon she'll be a stranger. You'll say hello and she won't answer. And the worst part is you can't blame her. Your head is a tiger. You've got a tamer. Oh, disengage. Get out of range. We weren't made to change. Someone's gotta help me. Someone's gotta help me. This life is a lesson, and we're just improving. Someone's gotta help me. Someone's gotta help me. Someone's gotta help me. Help me. Disengage. What's in a song?